This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I see that so much in the postpartum. It's like, we're supposed to have the village. We're supposed to have the community. We need to not ever even think about feeding ourselves, cooking for the rest of the family, taking care of the other kids when you're healing postpartum, you know? So it's just interesting to think about, like, how could we protect the integrity of a family unit by being open to it not looking like what we know it to look like? Hello, loves. Welcome back. I'm Jessica Scandiari, and you're listening to Open Late, a Soul Fire production. I want to share a little bit about this interview um, because it was done in my original format of having someone interview me about my relationship and my journey. Um, and I actually recorded this interview with McLean uh, with the intention of sharing it on her podcast, Mother the Mother. But I thought the conversation was so interesting and so valuable. And so I wanted to share it here with you all as well. So I hope you enjoy this. Here we go. I love to to use the like analogy of a prefix menu and a seasonal menu. Like a lot of people live in a prefix menu type of relationship, uh, type of, you know, container. And I like mine to be seasonal. It really works for us. And it comes with a ton of communication and like checking in. Um, because like you said, everyone's experience is different. Like mm-hmm. Posh and I could have the same experience, you know, together and have a completely different takeaway right. from that. And so yeah, it's it's been in some ways like such a small part of our lives until I started a podcast about it. Right. Um, but in many ways, like the most beautiful part because being polyamorous has actually made me a better friend, mm-hmm. a better, um, you know, partner, a better coach, mentor, um, maybe sister, daughter, I hope. Um, because I I like don't really have walls around getting my needs met anymore. Whereas I did for a long time trying to get my needs met from like one person uh, because I thought that's what you did. That's what I was taught growing up. And I had um, three long-term monogamous relationships before I met my husband, my high school boyfriend, my college boyfriend, and the guy right after college, you know? And being in this type of relationship has really like taken the barriers off of like who who and where I can get certain things in my life, mm-hmm. right? Like whether it's emotionally, you know, um, sexually, romantically, intellectually, it's such a reminder that like he does not have to be my everything yeah. and I don't have to be his. And it actually makes us so much more connected because then we come to each other for these very specific, beautiful things. And we still share so much. And he is like, it's funny, he is my everything, but he's not the one. It's like, there's, right. you it's know, all of it. it's all of it. Um, but it's been beautiful to see other relationships in my life really flourish um, and be very deeply connected 
because I'm not stressing about like, oh, well, what if, what if they think I'm flirting with them? Or mm. what if, you know, um, they come on to me or, you know, they have a girlfriend or they have a boyfriend or, um, a lot of that is like, has been stripped away, which was really scary at first, actually. Cause I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to know I'm open. They're all going to think I'm hitting on them. You know, I had yeah. like that conversation yeah. as well. Um, but now being so kind of deep into it and having practiced this for so many years, it's been such an expansive way to live. Mm. Yeah. So my mind is just swimming with logistics. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, I guess, first of all, it's like my free time is so limited. Mm. Like it's astounding how little free time I have. So to me, and I think most other moms listening, it's like, how would I even fit another person to love into the situation or yeah. to communicate with? Like, because mm -hmm. any free time, I just want to be like alone, not add to it. So it is interesting. Like, is it, do you feel, well, first of all, you're going to see what it's like when you do have kids yeah. and what that feels like, because you're, you will be giving so much. And I want to get into, I want to segue into that. Um, but before that is, I guess for people listening, it's like, when I hear you and you were in the relationship, you know, maybe a year or six months or something, and then you opened it up, it seems like, okay, if this is the foundation, we're open to it. Like that seems like an easy way to do it. Mm -hmm. But like, what if you're like 15 years into marriage, 20 years into marriage, and then like, how does one navigate that? Do you see that? Like, is this like kind of a group that you generally move in now as far as like who knows, who doesn't know? Like what's that going to be like with children on the playground? Yeah. Like there's just so many logistics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not that you can answer all of them, but I guess that's <laughs> okay, just where so I am first, like, with my brain. Um, no, I love it because these questions are questions that I get a lot of from the listeners of Open Late. And so to your to your first point, I think like when we did open up, um, it didn't happen all the time. Mm -hmm. It was like a once every couple of months thing for us. And well, when we were together, actually. But the interesting thing was when we first moved to Los Angeles, my husband had a crazy work schedule. He was like building two businesses at the same time. And um, our schedules were very opposite. And so I was home alone at night a lot, which was interesting because I worked in restaurants and nightclubs mm. until I moved to LA oh, wow. <laughs> and then it shifted and I worked daytime and he was working nighttime. So I was like, when wow. do we see each other? Um, and a lot of my solo exploration was born out of that, mm. was born out of, I was new in LA. I had a friend group, but um, I had a lot of free time and Pasha was tired all the time. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I really want to encourage you to like, go out and like date if you want to, which was really challenging for me. Actually, I resisted it. I was like, if you think that our relationship is going to be open, like I don't, I don't want that, you know, um, looking back, I'm like, okay, girl, just relax. <laughs> um, but I did. And I, I met someone that I started seeing pretty regularly, you know, maybe like once or twice a month regularly, sometimes more than that, but sometimes less. Um, that I had a ton in common with because he like worked in film and TV and I worked in film and TV. And so we shared that we shared like a love of like great movies and, and it developed and it blossomed and it was really scary because I'm like, I have feelings for this person. And, um, sharing that with Pasha was like the first time we really like hit that sort of flooring where it was like, Oh, mm -hmm. there, this is more than just a fun, sexy experience. Um, 
but that, you know, over time, like fizzled out the newness of it. And I started to build my community in my life in LA and I had less time for it too. Mm -hmm. Um, and when Posh and I would maybe vacation, we would, there's a bunch of apps for dating Mm -hmm. for people who are open. We would maybe like check out a new city and like see if there was somebody to meet up with there and then not do it again for like a while Mm -hmm. just because like life, you know, we were both building businesses and new in this city. Um, and so the experiences were kind of few and far in between, and we didn't really carry on relationships with anyone else for a long time. I mean, I did with this one other guy, um, which I had the space for. Um, but then we would sort of go in seasons where like he'd be working on a really big project and we didn't see each other for a couple months at a time and vice versa. So I think for somebody who's like, where am I going to fit this in? You know, we didn't have kids and that's how it looked for a while. Um, and it's much harder to date together because a, the idea that you're going to actually have chemistry with the same person is really wild. And so when, when people find it, um, the term unicorn gets sort of a lot of flack and it's taboo, but it really is like finding like a diamond in the rough. Of course what I was thinking. Yeah, Yeah. Because, um, it's crazy to think that three people are all going to have chemistry, which is why it doesn't work as often as people sort of dating on their own, Mm -hmm. on their own schedules. Um, And then over the years, we each have had our own sort of other relationships that were a bit smaller, but very connected. And there was emotion there. So I do see um, it being challenging to hold space for, you know, having love for other people. Where do you prioritize them? Where do they fit into your life? Um, You know, we've, we've navigated it a couple of times. I would say I've I've experienced it with like three other people and Pasha twice. Um, And it's always like you find a way because there's newness energy. So imagine, um, you know, the first time, like for people listening, if you have a partner right now, that's like your person and you're in love, imagine like meeting them and going on a couple of dates with them. You you make anything work. You're like, I'll cancel these plans. I'll move this. I'll move that. So there's this like limerence factor of this Mm -hmm. like new relationship energy. That's what people call it. So I always think too, if the universe wants to sort of support this experience, things will clear, things will move, things will happen. Um, And I'm only really speaking now to people who are open to having emotional connections with other people, which is really hard not to. But there are some people who do this just to have like amazing sexual experiences and want to let themselves like flow into that realm, Mm -hmm. which is great too. Um, But it does take more time and space in your life to have more of a relationship with a third or a fourth. I mean, there are people who are completely polyamorous that have so many. And There's a lot of like cool content creators online that talk about like, it's not easy. It's like really challenging. And sometimes you might have a connection with someone that you even have to say no to because time is a limited resource, right? And so to to bring it to a space where I'm thinking about having kids and well, not thinking about, we're starting to plan for it. We're looking for a surrogate. Um, The idea of spending a lot of time with somebody else who's not already like a family member, which would be like Pasha, the child, and like Lauren is really crazy. So Lauren's my, um, you know, pretty full-time uh, partner. And 
the plan is for her to, of course, like be in our child's life. There's not going to be any yeah. weirdness around that. It's like my my best friend, Nicole, like lives in our house too. And so we're very much like community people. And so it would be the same with her, I see as like any other really close girlfriend or sister, like she's going to be an aunt, you know, um, and hopefully a very big part of their lives. But the idea of like taking time away, and I don't even have a child yet, but I imagine like from a newborn or at least a, a child that's in yeah. their first like couple of years of life feels like it probably won't happen um, for either of us. You know, this is something we really want and we're not new to non-monogamy. So it's not like, oh my God, there's right. this like fun thing happening. It's like, we've, we've been doing this for a while. So I think for us, things will really slow down and I can see, you know, this is like my plan, which the universe is probably like, oh, good for you. Funny. <laughs> um, I can imagine that like if we went on a vacation or something, mm -hmm. maybe we would plan to have an experience, maybe not with anybody else either, just like ourselves because we right. probably won't have any time to like yeah. have Enjoy sex with each own. other. <laughs> yeah. Um, but maybe there's something like that or partners. We've both had partners um, that are still in our lives that we're not like really active with, but are great friends. Mm -hmm. So maybe they come back into our lives because there's already an established relationship right. and it's easier. Um, I mean, these are the things I've thought about, yeah. but well, who really see. knows, you know, and I, I imagine for, for people who have kids to just start opening up, it is a bit more challenging because you're, your resource of time is so limited. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds daunting unless you have, you know, or in a more like set up privileged situation, like some childcare and space. I mean, we're all right. like craving that anyway, most of us. Yeah. So even with our partners we currently have. So mm -hmm. it's just like such a, my brain, like trying to wrap my head around how I would even fit that in. Yeah. Not that we're planning on that, but I'm just saying like, um, it's just a very different mindset. I do think too, it's like our our relationship with our bodies and they become sacred in a different way when you grow a baby and mm -hmm. then like bring it out of your vagina. It's like, it's so other things coming in are intrusive. Like I can't even use tampons after mm -hmm. having babies. It's yeah. very interesting. Like just the relationship of anything coming in my field is mm -hmm. so different. So yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean, being an energy worker, that makes so much sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And it's also why, even though I'm like polyamorous, I'm extremely um, limited in my like sexual interactions with other people mm. too. I mean, even just my regular interactions with people, right? Because I do a lot of, you know, energy work and ceremony and I'm always holding space for others. So yeah, it makes me very selective mm -hmm. and very mindful mm -hmm. about like who comes into my life, who comes into my body. Um, but yeah, I I can imagine that for a lot of people, even just hearing about non-monogamy and like opening their mind to polyamory, it's like that, like opening a window, right? And yeah. then if it's meant for you, it's almost like you'll see opportunities. Totally. And if it's not, you won't. Yeah. Um, which is like what I've been sharing a lot with people recently. Um, but the surrogacy thing is, is kind of wild. Um, I even didn't realize that I there was a, a good chunk of my life where I thought I didn't want children um, very recently too. And I sort of came back around and woke up to the fact that, you know, I don't want to miss out on this opportunity um, in a selfish way, almost for like my own growth mm -hmm. as a woman. Um, and then once I, it's funny, we're just talking about like the windows. Once I had that thought, 
that was almost like the window opening to like letting myself have baby fever or like seeing it. And then I was like, wait, what? I thought I wasn't going to do this. Now it's like all I can think about. Um, it's always like a light switches. Yeah. It's just like, it's, there's nothing kind of in between. People talk about that and I never understood mm. it. And, you know, you always hear like, oh, there's never a good time to have a baby. Like just, you know, just do it. Like we've had a lot of friends, parent friends who have told us that. I am so glad I waited because yeah. there's such a different energy about me realizing I want this for myself than me probably – I would have probably had kids for my husband because he's my life partner. Yeah. I love him so much. We've I know I want to have a family with him no matter how that looked. It might have looked like being great aunt and uncles, but I knew he was my like long-term person. Um, but making the decision on my own and knowing I'll never resent him and I'll never think I made the wrong choice. Yeah. I'm so it's glad everything. I waited. I actually hate that advice and people gave it to me too because there are definitely definitely better or worse times in oh, your yeah. own life progression to have babies. Like yeah. I I never really I mean I get what they're saying cuz like nothing's ever perfect, mm -hmm. nothing's ever calm. I get that, but like um I don't I don't like that saying. I'm so glad that you don't yeah. either and like no. I'm getting a little like validation on that cuz it me like I'm like of course I want to have a child now that I've like built my business and checked off a lot of things that I wanted to do. And people say like, you can do them anyway, but you have to take a break. Yeah. If uh, I know I have to, for me, and you change the That's kind what of mom we don't I want to be. Like you don't know who you're going to be on the other side. So mm -hmm. it's good that you did the things you wanted to do now Yeah. before, because e literally everything's going to change. Right. And generally it's for the better and it's new and it's like expanded, but it's different, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I'm so, I'm so, so happy. I like woke up one day, I think it was like 35 or maybe I was 36 already. And I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> like, That's okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we. Very clear. Yeah. We've like started that process. We gave ourselves a year once we like knew we wanted to do it. He was finishing up some things. I was finishing up some things. Um, and we January 1st of this year started interviewing agencies. So, okay. Backstory. For people listening, I was diagnosed with cancer at 28 and I had to have a radical hysterectomy like mm. 11 days after my diagnosis. Oh, I, I had my uterus and my cervix removed um, and a lot of pelvic tissue. Um, but they left my ovaries and they've like – they – they um, the prognosis and the surgeons were like, we'd like to take these out also. But if you want to have kids, you can freeze your eggs. Um, but the cervix had to come out immediately because mm. the – the tumor and the cancer was pretty aggressive. So like everything shifted, but I was also like, okay with not having kids. Um, but then like Posh and I got married and I turned 30 and we were like, let's just freeze our embryos, you know? And I knew he really wanted children, but we, we also had talked about adoption and, you know, lots of different ways to have a baby. So we froze embryos. I think I was 31 and 32 which was a whole process in itself. It's like kind of feel like I got a taste of what pregnancy must feel like because there's a lot of hormones mm -hmm. all at once. Um, and we did two rounds of IVF with that and um, extractions, you know, and we ended up with five embryos. So we have three girls and two boys. Wow. And yeah, so we are now um, entertaining a few different agencies. I think we've like made our choice down to two. And so now we just have to choose one and they will match you with a surrogate. That's how it works. We've kind of reached out to our own community and 
to put feelers out. You know, we want to have a baby. Does anybody know anybody that might be interested in surrogacy? Um, you know, the prereqs is you like have to have had one full term successful pregnancy and your child has to be like living oh. with you. Um, yeah. In order to be a surrogate, just because I guess it makes sense. I didn't realize it either, but you know, it, there are a lot of women who have fertility problems that like don't know yet because right. they don't have children. Right. So you don't want to be like yeah, it makes sense. your five, you know, solo precious or only yeah. embryos um, testing it out. So we're like really ready. And I found out just a couple weeks ago that it takes nine months potentially to match with a surrogate, mm. which feels like forever. And I'm like, this is a whole pregnancy in itself. Mm -hmm. um, it could be shorter, could be longer. But now we're like kicking ourselves because a couple of people were like, just start the surrogacy process because it takes a really long time <laughs> and you're going to wish that you had started sooner, uh, which I do now. Um, is it all over the U.S. or how, what does that look like? So, yeah, you can have you can get a surrogate from anywhere in the U.S. Um, and there's not much difference other than you won't be there through the process. We really prefer somebody in LA. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that we can find somebody local so that I can be yeah. a part of the pregnancy um, and a part of, you know, the birth. Well, we would, even if they don't live here, we would travel there for the birth mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, but it would be really cool if they live close and we totally. can sort of hang out and become you know, friends. Mm -hmm. Um, that's always been really important to me. Um, and Pasha too, but me more or less being like into understanding energy the way I do. Um, and this is like why I wanted to chat with you too, you know, being a doula and doing like birthing work for so long. Um, I, there's not really a big part of me at all that feels sad that I won't have that experience myself. I'm really at peace with it. And in fact, I think that maybe like everything happens for a reason, not maybe that's, that's mm -hmm. a fact. And I feel almost like lucky, like maybe there was a reason I'm not supposed to do this part of the job myself. Mm -hmm. If anything, I was always terrified of the idea of being pregnant, even from like a child. Um, like this weird fear growing up of it and like what that whole process is like. Yeah. So I'm like, did I manifest this? Mm. Um, or, or just knew. Yeah. Or just knew that it mm. wouldn't be part of my journey. Um, but I do really want, so I feel really called that the surrogate and my child have a bond that doesn't immediately get severed. Mm. That's really been important to me as I think about what I want the journey to look like and what I who I'd like to attract as our surrogate. Like I'd really want someone who, not that I think any of them are like, okay, great, here's your baby, we'll never speak again. Um, but that like those first couple weeks, you know, like after birth, like what can that look like? Can that also be part of a surrogacy process where there's um breastfeeding and like a more gradual sort mm. of disentanglement mm -hmm. because, you know, I just feel like that's the baby's home. That's their mother also, mm -hmm. right? They get to have like two and that's all they know. And so to have that like taken away very quickly scares the crap out of me. And so I am really hoping we can create a situation where everybody, you know, feels good about it, but where they have like a gradual, slow process of disentanglement and then they'll remain in the baby's life as like an auntie who That's likes so to be around that just made me tear up yeah because I, I just love that you're tapping into that because 
the energy field. I mean, you know, it's like it takes it can take up to seven years to be fully disconnected from your child. Wow. Like that's why seven is such a huge developmental year. So even the fact that you're looking at it as even something, because mm-hmm. I've never heard that when it comes to surrogacy. And I'm yeah. sure, I mean, I've never gone down the rabbit hole of surrogacy. So I'm sure many people are sharing beautiful stories, but that just really touches me because it's honoring that connection, which is part of you. And it's also them. Mm-hmm. And it's like everyone also together. Yeah. And it's so the auric fields are just one when you're pregnant. I mean, it's just it's just a fact. Yeah. And our society does not honor that. Yeah. So that's it's really very true. Our society definitely doesn't. And it's like so much about a woman is meant to create and really until, yeah, like you're saying, there there's such a bond even for so much longer because mm-hmm. it is a part of you. It's like, yeah, yeah you're your essence, your everything. Um, and so I'm really hoping for that. I mean, that's like, I'm always an idealist and my husband kind of, he supports me so much, but he also reminds me like, it might not look like that. Yeah. And, you know, um, but he's like, I'm on board. Like we'll, totally. we'll search for what you want. But to have um, that intention is so beautiful. Yeah. Like, start there. Yeah. Because like the health, the mental health too yeah. of, of the baby, the and of everybody involved, health. right? Um, is so important to me. But yeah, to think about like how we can ease any trauma, it's right. obviously being like um, an energy worker and I guess, you know, integrative sort of healer and coach. I'm like always thinking about trauma and I know there's no way to avoid it. Right. I don't have kids we all yet. Got something. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure like, you know, you mess yeah. them up no matter what. Um, but if I can minimize it, yeah. that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Have you read Spirit Babies? No, but someone gifted me that book. Mm, it's my, it's one of my favorite books. Really? Yeah. I have it on my nightstand. Highly recommend. Okay. And it's not all applicable, but it just shows you what we're seeing in the 3D is just such a minuscule amount of these souls coming in. Mm. So just for your experience, it's like there's just this, there's so much available there of to work with, you know, to yeah. bring the soul in. Like whoever is coming in is coming into the situation eyes open, I, I would think. Right. So it's just like, how do you protect mm-hmm. and hold that space for this little being? Mm, I love that. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read it. Love that book. Mm-hmm. I was like, I need to go study with this man, but he died. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he's amazing. Yeah. Oh. He's incredible. But anyway, there are a lot of incredible people. One is in our soul fire, Emily, the medium. Mm-hmm. She's incredible connecting to the, the spirit souls. <gasps> Ooh. And there's another one. I think I told you on the phone, Sufi mm-hmm. that lives nearby. Yeah, She's on my podcast. Too. She's amazing with connecting to the souls. So it could be kind of an interesting addition to your birth. Yes. Party. I would love that. The birth sitch. So was the like questionnaire insane? Like how do you go about the surrogacy? finding the right person. We we actually haven't even done that part yet, okay. but it's pretty extensive and it's like so the agency interviews us and then they interview all of their intended surrogates and they just match gotcha. you one to one. So it's not like um you don't get a book, you know, like where you could flip right. through pages. That we see like, in the movies. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> like okay, so we think that you two fit really well together and of course then there's an interview um with like someone from the agency present and then they leave for a little bit. It's like on Zoom. Mm. This is how it goes, I guess. And at that point, we get to decide and they get to decide like, okay, this feels like a really good fit or no, we'd like to interview more. 
And so that's the initial process. And then once you like link up and you get matched and you're like, okay, great. This is like our girl. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I love this couple. I want to do this with them. Then there's all kinds of medical, mental um, evaluations, um, legal that gets like handled and drawn up. You know, all of those things come into it, um, come into play. And then once all of that's been, you know, handled, which takes like another three months apparently, then there's like um, the implantation, you know, and then hopefully a baby. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm super grateful for like, you know, science and technology and like all of these things so that we can, you know, have a biological child because we want to. Um, And also like, I've always been kind of of the mind of like, if it doesn't work this way, great, we'll adopt. Mm -hmm. And he feels the same way. That's um, beautiful. But yeah, we have, we have five, five chances. So so how do you choose which one? Or do you like, how does that happen? So you can choose your embryo. Um, They recommend that you just put like the healthiest, Mm -hmm. strongest, most viable one in, which I we actually don't know which one that is. And I'm really glad we don't. Or maybe they told us and like we don't remember. That's not something I think you look at after you do like a round of, you know, IVF extraction. But um, I don't want to know. Yeah. So I want it to be random. He wants to choose and to know the sex right away but like I've really got him on board with the idea of it being random Mm -hmm. and us not finding out until the birth so that's always been like my favorite way I want a little bit of magic everything else is really curated and is very specific and very planned in our you know with this pregnancy so I'd like a little bit of Mm. surprise I love that yeah yeah I mean yeah birth all of it is so fascinating. Yeah. It's never not illuminating. Each couple, each family, it's just – I just get so excited talking about it because I'm just, like, excited for you to get to know you, the new yeah. you, the new expanded you on the other side. Me too. Me too. I just love the idea, too, of, like, even having a doula. It's something mm-hmm. that's always been – like, if I can have things my way, we would have a home birth. We would have a doula. Um, and I, like, mentioned this to a couple of the agencies. <laughs> they're like, you know, you get the, like – they're not doctors, right? right? But they're like, okay, well, we'll, like, you know, we'll have to, like, see what your doctor thinks. And right. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to find the doctor that's right. going to be doctor cool with for me. me yeah. <laughs> it's going to be cool <laughs> with me doing this. Totally. Um, but I am really looking forward to meeting us as parents also and like mm-hmm. the evolution of, yeah, who will become in this next stage of our lives. Yeah. Any advice Thanks for sharing that for, <laughs> I mean, you're so open and conscious that I think you guys are going to be just fine. And we all learn the lessons we have to learn. I mean, that's the thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I was having this conversation in my membership this morning. It's like everyone, like we have children to evolve and to change, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think as long as you're open to that, um, you're going to be, you're going to be fine, you know, cause you're open to the, what is it's yeah. the greatest unknown. It's the greatest unknown. And it keeps happening over and over. It keeps mm. changing because each new stage, each new development. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it would be cool if you find someone here that you can really journey. Yeah. We'll just put that out. We'll put that out in the universe. That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. I haven't had anyone me. speak about a surrogacy on here, so it's really nice to mm. have that. I'm happy to be the first. Yeah. Open it up. Um, 
circling back before we close, because I could just keep on going on and on. And maybe we'll do part two when mm-hmm. baby's here. I would love that. Um, but because when I asked a couple of friends, like, send me your questions ASAP. I'm going to this interview. Um, one of the things was just coming out with it, which mm-hmm. you touched on a little bit. But one thing that I thought was so beautiful in your podcast was the three of your dads being together at a barbecue. Yeah. And I mean, how amazing is that? First it was of all? it was incredible. Yeah, it was really surreal because I I don't know why I had the idea that like my parents would be hurt mm. or my parents would be uncomfortable about it because my parents are dope. They're actually like <laughs> some of the coolest people I know. They're the most like loving and accepting. You know, um, they don't fully understand, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it doesn't matter. It's right. like they also don't understand trigonometry, but right. they're like cool, you know? <laughs> Um, and yeah, luckily Pasha's parents are the same. And so are Lauren's. We, I don't know if we are all just super lucky people or if as a society, we're all programmed to think that people are a bit more judgmental Mm -hmm. than they are because that's all we see. We see extremes all day long. We see polarity in our media. Um, but it's been really great. Like our entire community has been so supportive and so accepting, of us. And so I had a lot of champions almost when I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. They're like, great. Like, I'm going to throw a big party. We'll have a big launch party. And it was really amazing to see how many people were like, yes, please do this. We want to hear about it. We want to hear from you. Um, And the only kind of like negativity that has come has been as the podcast has gotten popular on social media. That's like really the only space where I catch resistance or bullying or anything like that, um, which is, you know, tough on mm-hmm. its own sometimes. And I've like, it's also new, you know, open lane is like six months old and wow. I've already like had to chat with my therapist about it and my coach. I have a coach that I work with, um, which is new specifically on pleasure and like mm-hmm. fo- focusing mm-hmm. on my pleasure um, and like connecting to my body. So we do a lot of somatic work. Mm, I love somatic work. Yeah. And both of them were like, this is what you're meant to grow through at mm. this period of your life. If it's triggering, if it's making you feel like you're 10 years old again, like in school and people oh, are calling you names, um, then you're ready for that. And you're ready to like, you know, focus mm. on that little girl and see what she needed in that at that time and give that to her now, which has been such a gift. So like, it's almost like I'm welcoming any sort of trigger or resistance. Um, And the cool thing is a lot of people are open. It's just their fears they're projecting onto me in this space. Um, But some are like open to being educated, which is wild because it doesn't seem that way when when it first comes out. Um, So it's been a mix. And um, I've certainly had to like stop reading a lot of the comments Mm -hmm. at times when I have things that are a bit more viral. But all that being said, it's all been such a big learning and a blessing and I wouldn't change any of it. So yeah, and just like really grateful because my parents, like they were really the only ones who I was concerned about not being happy about this. So how'd you tell them? Um, Well, I, so my mom kind of had already known that I had had some experiences with women. I used to love to like 
shock my mom, <laughs> like, <laughs> like which is like so terrible. Um, like just to say little things that I think would like make her like stressed out or something. Um, so she knew that, but she had no idea that it was like a big part of our lives and like it was happening with Pasha and that there was, you know, um, a full-time other person. And so I told my mom over the phone and I told my dad in person. Um, and you know, my mom was like, okay, cool. Like what, (laughs) you know, had a lot of questions and my mom and I have talked about it extensively. She always asks me like, well, how does it work? I don't understand. And she, she really wants to understand my dad. We went to breakfast. I was visiting home and me and Pasha were together and we're like sitting across the table oh from each God, other. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, um, okay, dad, you know, um, I think I said something to the effect of, you know, Pasha and I were like, we like to do things a little differently always because I am certainly the psychedelic sheep of my family. Mm. Like I live in LA, <laughs> everybody's from the East coast. And like, I go to the, all these, you know, spiritual mm. awakening things and ayahuasca and, you know, personal development courses and Tony Robbins and Fiji. Like my family Ooh, knows. That sounds amazing. Yeah. They just yeah. know I'm, I'm yeah. that, I'm that girl. So I said, you know, you know, we, we're a little different and we like, we always just do kind of like, we, we walked the beat of our own drum kind of thing. And he goes, mm-hmm. and he like looks up for a meeting <laughs> and he had, I'll never, he had like eggs and hash browns and toast. And he just like looks up and I'm like, well, we kind of like sometimes date other people. And we also have a girlfriend and he went back to eating (laughs) and then he like waited like 30 seconds and he like put his fork down and he goes, yeah, you know, you guys are always doing whatever makes you happy. If it makes you happy, it makes me happy. And then he went back to eating. (laughs) So it was like really sweet. But yeah, like he thought about it. He digested it. And it was like such a quick conversation. Yeah. And if anything, like my parents have all had bouts of like infidelity or this or that in their marriages. Um, And, you know, my dad, I remember, you know, just thinking like my dad's such a lover, right, of people. My mom is too. And almost looking at my parents of like, would they have stayed together if they could have explored their lives in this way. Not that I've ever really wished for that. My parents divorced. I was super young. I was like two years old. So I don't really know them together, but they've both remarried and had, you know, two other children within their other marriages. So I have like a very big family and they're friends still. My parents are great friends. My mom and my stepmom are great friends. I've been so lucky in that way. And so, yeah. And, and it's interesting. My, all of my siblings, well, not all of them, but I think two two out of the four have either experimented with same sex somewhere on the spectrum, even, you know, being open to any identification. Um, And it's cool to see, like, they were doing that even before I was, like, out about it. Mm. My sister dated a girl all the way through high school. Yeah. And here I am, like, not wanting to tell anybody. And she's, like, 10 years younger than me. So – it is interesting to see how we sort of individualize shame and mm-hmm. we project what we think people are going to respond with. My parents are both like, cool, okay. Amazing. Yeah. That's such an important note that I just took with me is it's like what could things look like, you know? Like how 
the way that we see this isolated family structure, you know, hetero, mom, mm-hmm. dad, two kids, house alone, you know, it's such a a preconceived thing. And honestly, it doesn't work Mm-mm. for most of us yeah. long term or we're stuffing or we're hiding parts of ourselves. I mean, I, I see that so much in the postpartum. It's like we're supposed to have the village. We're supposed to have the community. Yeah. Even hiring me or another doula, it's like the bare minimum. You know, mm-hmm. we need that support. We need to not ever even think about feeding ourselves, cooking for the rest of the family, taking care of the other kids when you're healing postpartum. Right. You know, so it's just, it is so interesting to think about like, um, how could we kind of protect the integrity of a family unit by being open to it, not looking like what we know it to look like. Mm -hmm. That's the dream. We always talk about like raising our kids in community. Mm -hmm. Um, We, we are like very serious about like creating a compound type of life. Yeah. I mean, Um, every one of my friends, like we're always like, where's the compound? Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine doing, doing this motherhood journey alone and isolated. And you're right. I mean, that's how most of us live. We live in these like nuclear families and we all have like yeah. single family homes and we don't know our neighbors, which don't is our wild. Neighbors, don't have our family nearby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Unless you stay usually in the town that you grew up in. Right. But for a lot of us that are seekers, we don't do that. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> we get out. So. Yeah. Which so. is, is good because then we all meet each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think if, if, kind of non-monogamy can be a cause for um, supporting like postpartum and like just bringing more love into your child's life and bringing more care into your own life as a mother too. I never really looked at it like that actually. I mean, because I've never really – with Lauren, it's not like I'm like wishing that she's going to be like a second mom at all. That's not really our dynamic and I know that's, you know, not what she wants but also like I have – Aside from non-monogamy, all these beautiful people who are in my home all the time that, you know, are some of our closest friends. And so I just feel like there will be that sort of village feeling here. And I didn't do that on purpose, but I'm really happy that I did. Mm -hmm. And like, this is what it looks like eight years in because, yeah, our our house is kind of a co-working space. And so I'm hoping that in three years, it looks like a co-mothering space. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm snapping fingers. Yeah. That's like the future because we need each other and all of these things change from within us mm-hmm. and from the mothers. Yeah. That's just a fact. So yeah. the more I think that we can let go of labels. I mean, you know, two years ago, I certainly didn't think I'd be a homeschooling mom, you know, so I let go of what I thought school looked like. You know, yeah. and it keeps evolving. So it's like motherhood keeps evolving. So I love that you've already kind of organically set that up. Yeah. And more to be revealed. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything that you would like to end on? If there's anyone mm. maybe new to all of this or oh, I wanted to ask one thing is what advice do you have for someone that is in a long term marriage that maybe has listen to a couple of things or even just listening to this and like something sparked, like where do you even begin? (laughs) Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think it's what's always on everyone's mind. Um, I think the best place to begin is just sharing openly your feelings with your partner. It sounds so simple, right? But it's not easy for people to communicate, right? Because what you're already doing is likely projecting how you think they're going to respond. 
um, onto the situation, which really limits them. And so it's really a disservice to like your partner. Um, but just to say like, this is interesting to me. And like, what do you think about it can open an entire conversation. Yeah. A lot of people think that they have to go in with like, I think I want to be open, yeah, like you know, a declaration like, yeah, yeah, even if you are having those thoughts, um, to go in with curiosity and no judgment mm -hmm. and to sort of ask that from your partner as well. I think, um, it's never a bad idea to set parameters and agreements for communication which I've learned through non-monogamy. I didn't even really know how to communicate before, but I've, we've had to learn along the way. And now I'm like, oh, okay, this is, you know, how you, I've also learned this in therapy and like mm -hmm. being in therapy, not for our non-monogamy, but just like for our marriage. Mm -hmm. um, so shout out to Gia, but saying like, <laughs> okay, this is what I need right now. I, I'd like, um, I'd like your advice or I'd like your mentorship or I'd like a response or I just want you to listen so maybe in this conversation, it's like, I would like to share something with you that has been piquing my interest. It doesn't mean that I want to act on it, but I'd love to know your thoughts on this topic. And, you know, also with the preface of like, I'm committed to you, even right. though I'm bringing this sort of content or this idea to the table. Um, I'm curious because I'm interested in like what you think about mm -hmm. it and letting it flow from there into like, well, I maybe want to try, like, you actually don't have to go have sex with other people. Right. Be like, have you ever like watched porn together? Right. Or have you ever, um, uh, Alexa, that sex chick who's also Soulfire oh, yeah. fam has this want, will, won't list. Oh. And it's kind of like a list, this like extensive list of like sort of sexual things that you can do with your partner and it, they fill it out and you fill it out. And it's like a want, will, and won't. And then you can kind of see like, okay, where are we overlapping oh, on these cool. cool things that we might both be interested in, but we've never tried in the realms of like kink or BDSM or sensual play or food, mm -hmm. like whatever it looks like. So I think starting in these places that reignite your own sexual passion with each other in conjunction with saying... I think that girl's attractive. <laughs> like, do yeah. you also think that girl's attractive? And then talking about it at home, you know, or vice versa, like what turns you on and, and finding that out and starting there to really like create a safe space for sharing desires before mm -hmm. you're even trying to jump the gun of like dating anybody else. Um, because for most of us, we don't even share our desires yeah. with our, especially like long-term partnerships. Like we're experiencing that, you know, we've, we've known each other for 10 years and now more than ever, like chemistry is not a given. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I think we expect it to be, we're taught that it should just be easy. Um, and sometimes it is when we're on vacation and we have no responsibilities and no worries. Like yeah. it's so easy to want to connect in a sexual way, but when we're not, it's like, okay, let's yeah. create environments and circumstances for us to be this way with each other. Mm, so I yeah, I, I always remind people that are like, if it's the inspiration and you've been together a long time, how do you dip your toe in? Start with your passion with each other and just talking about these things in conversation. Um, mm, yeah. That's really great because I almost think it's harder sometimes the longer you have been in a relationship. For sure. Because you're just so kind of – you know what you know, you mm -hmm. know, you know each other's bodies, you know, the th like it just kind of gets rote in so many ways. Yeah. And then you add kids onto it and like still co-sleeping or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just, 
and the projection. I think that's a really big piece of it too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I do think we do a disservice to our partners by making assumptions because we have been together so long. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair. Yeah. I mean, so many people are thinking that the other one is going to freak out when the other one could likely be entertaining the same thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I like that's such a good place to end. Good luck on all of it ahead. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening, for your time and your energy. Um, it means so much to me that you're enjoying this work. Um, if you have a moment and you haven't yet reviewed the podcast on Apple or Spotify or on YouTube, I would so love for you to head over there and just let me know your thoughts. It'll take 10 seconds and it helps other people find this podcast. So if there's someone in your life who you think would really benefit from hearing this work, don't hesitate to share it with them. And as always, you can follow this journey and more funny bits of content on Instagram and TikTok, all linked up in the show notes. Have a great day. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.